Welcome back to the Rockcast, everybody. Brought to you by Onyx Hunt Maps and partnered with Black Rifle Coffee Company. Um, today is going to be, I guess it's like part two of the gear series. And we're just going to talk about like sleep systems as a whole. So like tents, shelters, on into like sleeping bags and sleeping pads. And I just decided to wrap that up as all in itself because if you were like if you're wanting to save money I mean the first thing you could do is like cut the sleep system out and just don't go backpack hunting um obviously backpack hunting is super cool and it's a really effective way to hunt it's a super effective way to scout cover a lot of country and save energy not have to like come in and out of the trailhead every single day but also like you're gonna drop some coin on this if you do it right so again trying to keep this like as basic kind of a you know a beginner 10,000 foot view over it I'm going to try to not dive down too many rabbit holes with this because each one of these things can be their own their own episode and go way in depth which we'll probably do later hopefully with a guest um so you don't have to listen to me babble all the time but your shelter options for the most part you're going to have your standard tents that you think of those are going to be probably called dual wall freestanding shelters or tents it's just a standard tent um there's a couple different things that will come with those that you will see like designations and those will be like three or a four season um in general three season is for the warmer months so your inner tent is probably gonna like have some mesh in it the air is like you're gonna have good airflow and same with the outer tent the outer tent is not going to be pitched all the way to the ground it's gonna keep the rain off you if there's a rainstorm that comes through but as that's about what it's gonna do is just act as a rain jacket to shed the moisture and um keep you dry a four season is really where things bump up typically like your pole sizes might even get bigger, more beefier. Um, your inner tent will probably not have as much mesh, so it'll be a little bit warmer option in general. And then your outer tent will probably pitch all the way to the ground, um, which for like, you know, really windy conditions is going to keep like snow from flying into your vestibule or moisture from flying into your vestibule and it's just going to cut the wind better um so it's just what it sounds like you know uh, a four season is just going to be a beefier option probably gonna have a little bit more weight attached to that um than a three season but my kind of thinking on all of this is like the whole buy once, cry once. Um, if there's something that I'm like, all right, I'm just going to have one of these. I really try to just like bite the bullet and get the best one I can and not be so just stuck on the weight side of things. Um, you know, you were talking about sometimes, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, half a pound difference between things and people getting like fist fights over which is better because it's lighter um, over durability. So I tend to lean more to the durability side of things over lightweight. So keep that in mind as you listen to me because uh, you might be more of the, the lightweight crowd, which nothing wrong with that, but I would definitely, 
encourage people if you're just getting out and you're like just getting into it, uh, I wouldn't go with the lightest weight stuff that you can find right off the bat because it might bite you in the ass. Um, so, okay, the three season versus four season um, covered that well, I think. We, something else to think about too would be like how big you want it. So, typically for a one person, you know, they're going to make like a one person, but that's like not going to, that's just going to hold you. It's not really going to hold your gear. Your vestibule is going to be where the the gear will live probably. Um, a two person for one guy or girl is going to give you a little more space inside to like lay some things out. Um, whatever. I prefer a two person. Um, and the freestanding tent of choice that, that I use is called a Hilleberg Niak. And that's a two person. Uh, they call it like more of a three and a half season because, you know, it does have like a mesh inner tent, but the outer tent, that vestibule is going to pitch, uh, really close to the ground. And so that's going to, you know, help with like the September snowstorms that we often get. Okay, everyone, just want to jump in here real quick and thank a partner of ours, Onyx Hunt Maps, for helping us bring this podcast to you. Um, this gear series is all about the gear that helps you be more efficient in the field, helps you stay longer, and Onyx is one of those tools that certainly um, makes it easier just to have all of your maps in one spot on your phone. Um, I still look at paper maps sometimes, especially when I'm looking from a big picture in on an area. Um, but once we get in the field, I mean, undoubtedly Onyx is going to help you organize those pins and figure out different routes and access points. And it is just a, it's a great tool. So if you use code rockcast at checkout at onyxmaps.com forward slash hunt, you will receive 20% off of the subscription that you choose. And then, unless you are a barbarian, um, caffeine is going to help you fuel your way through the day, just on the day-to-day. But there's also uh, nothing that I love more than sitting on a ridge in the middle of the day, warming up some water, dropping some instant coffee in. And Black Rifle Coffee helps us all do that. So with great tasting coffee, it really is my coffee of choice. So if you use code ROCKSLIDE at the Black Rifle Coffee website, you will receive 20% off your first subscription order or 20% off of just an order from their store. It is a one-use code per customer, but that is code ROCKSLIDE. And go get you some. My favorite is uh, both the light roast and then the medium freedom roast. And then the coffee bags or instant coffee packs, both are fantastic for the backcountry. Um, and the next thing you're going to see is like a freestanding versus a non-freestanding. And I think that this will, the non-freestanding is also going to be like a floorless type shelter or a, um, where it's like a, a teepee or like a pyramid style or whatever. Just anything that like is going to pitch with trekking poles. Um, anything... Any kind of a shelter that you need stakes to pitch it. So you need to be able to put stakes in the ground to pitch that shelter taut. Um, that's going to be a freestanding. Or, sorry, that's going to be a non-freestanding. Um, and a freestanding is going to be your basic tent that you're thinking of that everybody knows of. The poles 
probably cross each other at some point, no matter how many of them there are. They're going to cross each other, and it's going to be able to... The tent is going to basically stay standing, whether stakes are in the ground or not. Um, I think for... If you're going to be in super rocky terrain, so like, you know, crazy mule deer country, or like sheep and goat country, where you're going to be like up high in the rocks, a freestanding shelter is probably going to be what you're going to want to lean towards. Um... There's a lot of times that you just, it's going to be hard to get stakes in the ground and a freestanding is going to, you know, maybe you can only get two, three, four stakes in the ground with that entire shelter. Um, that's fine. It's not going to collapse on you like a, a freestanding shelter might. So, um, a freestanding, like a, sorry, a non-freestanding you know, dual wall tent, like a tent that you think of, but might be freestanding. Um, there are some like ultralight tents that have like sewn in floors that you just pitch with your trekking pole. Um, but it still might, it still might have dual walls, an inner and an outer tent, but you just pitch it with one pole and then stake the ends out or like a Hilleberg, um, Onion or Nalo. They're going to have tent poles that go over, like, um, width-wise over the tent. There might be two or three of those. Uh, the Enan has one. And then you pitch the ends out with stakes for, like, you tension the ends out. And then that makes your um, poles stand up. That's going to be, like, a freestanding tent style. Or a non-freestanding tent style. Um, again, just with, like... If you know that you're just going to be in rocks most of the time and it's really hard to knock a stake into the ground, um, I would err to the side of a freestanding, just a, a straight-up tent. Um, so the next thing to consider, too, is like floorless versus a floored. And the floorless options are going to be like, you know, what you're thinking of, the tarps, the teepees. That's basically it, I guess. The tarps, the teepees... Um, you know, a lot of the, like, ultra-light crowd likes to think about it. Or if you're going to run a stove inside of a shelter, you don't want to put a stove on top of a floor. So it'll probably melt. So you use those with a floorless. And this is extremely versatile system. And I'll get to what I think is, like, the most versatile system here in a sec. Um, but, you know, all in all, with the floorless, a lot of people are scared of it just kind of as a mental thing because, you know, you have, you know, you think your stuff is getting dirty, which sometimes I do think that, that you know, can be a factor in what kind of a system you choose. But, uh, you know, for the most part, it's nice going into floorless. Like you can go in there, grab stuff, be in and out. You don't have to take your, you don't feel like you have to take your shoes off every time you come in. You know, if you don't and you're in a floored shelter, um, you're coming in and you're tracking mud all over the place anyways. So like, I just wouldn't get too hung up on your stuff getting dirty, I guess, with the floorless. Um, in general, floorless are freaking nice. Like they cut a lot of the weight it, for the most part, um, depending on what kind of a pole you're using. When you look at like a three pound you know, freestanding dual wall tent versus a three pound, um, you know, a single wall 
uh, teepee style floorless shelter, like the teepee style is going to have a lot more square footage, like a lot bigger footprint, a lot more room inside of it. You might even be able to stand up for probably even less, less of less weight than the freestanding tent is going to have. And that's just like understanding, you know, what kind of conditions you're going to be in. Um, but I think another option that you can have with floorless is you don't just have to have a floorless shelter and always be in the dirt. A lot of companies have insert options or some companies call them nests. And what that does is it basically, you know, you you purchase the, the outer tent, the main teepee, and then they say, if you want to, you can buy this nest from us or an insert and you can clip it inside of the, you know, the main shell or the main like shelter and you can have, make a, a inner tent with it basically. So... Um, it gives you like a full zipper door The keeps the bugs out. The top is usually mesh and then the bottom is like, you know, a tent material on the bottom to help uh, protect like your, your sleeping pad and sleeping bag. And then, you know, you have a door that you can completely zip shut. So you're keeping all the creepy crawlies out um, and you can put that in there. And then the beauty of it is that late season... When you, you know, it's, you're not worried about the bugs. You're not so worried about stuff crawling in the tent with you. You can take that inner tent out. And that's usually when it starts dipping in temperatures too. So you throw a stove inside and then you have a very warm shelter for the later season. You're able to start a fire, um, dry stuff out, warm up. It's a huge attitude improver. Um, might just make you stay back in the backcountry longer. And I think that that's pretty, uh, that's pretty kick-ass. So, you know, if, if all you do is like earlier season, like warmer months, um, above tree line, you're not going to have like, you're not going to have firewood around anyways. And it's usually warm temperatures. Um, and you're up in the rocks a lot, like just a, a regular freestanding shelter is probably like it's probably the way to go and you should probably go just you know big on that purchase get a good one get one that you really like the features of and call it good um if you're like yeah doing some high country mule deer stuff but you know i always uh like to do you know archery elk too and then i like to dip into the rifle seasons for both and sometimes i like to hunt out of state and that might be a really late season hunt so we're for sure going to have crazy weather. Like if you find a uh, find a floorless style, you know, shelter that you can buy an insert for and buy a stove for, then, you know, those earlier September hunts, you can run an insert in the inside and, you know, have some of that protection against the ground, have a little bit more security um, by just, you know, being able to have like being able to zip a door shut basically. Um, and then in the later seasons, you can yank that, that nest out or that inner tent. You can throw a stove in there and have a really good late season option, um, that 
would just quite honestly be kind of miserable in a freestanding tent in a snowstorm when you're super wet and cold. Um, so that's kind of my, those are some of my thoughts. If you're going to go into the, you know, the tent scene, if you're, if you like to hunt all season in a variety of situations, do not overlook a floorless shelter with a stove. And if you're just like, just an archery hunter, I like to be able to pitch this thing super fast. Um, I don't want to think too much about it. Then, you know, a freestanding tent might be the way to go. And, you know, there's, if you do a ton of hunting, like there's some situations that just aren't going to be good for a floorless shelter. Um, Typically those floorless, they just need a big footprint to pitch. So if you're trying to, you know, tuck in in deer beds on ridgelines, like, a floorless shelter, a lot of them are just going to have a really big footprint and they're going to be a little tougher to pitch. Um, so that's something to think about too. And um, why that's why like sometimes it's nice having a freestanding and it's nice having a floorless just for some options. So um, I think I already said, but for a freestanding tent, I really like the Hilleberg Niak. Um, and then I have the Kafaru Sawtooth for my floorless shelter and I bought a and they don't make an inner tent for it but I purchased one like an aftermarket one from Bear Paw Designs and it is a it's an insert I actually haven't even put it in yet but it's an insert that runs from the pole to the back so I should be able to run my stove in it with the inner tent inside of it as well which is another option depending on what shelter you decide to go with. Like, they might make a full insert. They also might just make a half insert, which is really nice because then the what is not in the insert acts as like a giant vestibule. So, a lot of options out there to consider, but I think that pretty much covered the basics. Um, one last thing, there's uh, another option which is like going with a tarp system. This is like very advanced. If you're just getting into it and you haven't spent the night on the mountain, like chasing elk or deer or whatever, I wouldn't recommend just getting a, a tarp that pitches, you know, three, four feet off the ground and then just sleeping underneath of it with a bivy. Um, I, if if you're already a little apprehensive about being in the backcountry, uh, that's definitely not a way that's gonna that's gonna help your mentality at night. I don't think so. Think about that. But the whole bivy thing um, is something to consider. If I'm running a floorless system, a way that I like to protect my bag and sleeping pad is by a bivy. Um, I have a Bora bivy, B O R A H. It's super light. Like I think it's like six ounces. It literally packs up to like the size of my fist doesn't take up any room and it's like a hundred bucks or 120 or it was when I got it a couple years ago um there's quite a large lead time on it I mean like six weeks so you want to be thinking about this like quick if you want to get one um but that's a great option basically it's like an inner tent for your sleeping bag and pad so um what I really like it for is it just keeps everything into one, like my my 
bag isn't sliding off my pad in the middle of the night. Keeps everything together. Um, gives you a little bit more temperature rating to your whole sleep system because of it. Um, and then it protects your sleeping pad from the ground and can act as like a ground cloth or a ground sheet. And, uh, yeah, it's just a good system. So for a floorless, that's what I like to run. So, all right, next sleeping bags and pads. I'll try not to go too super long with this. Um, but a sleeping bag, I mean, you know, really, even if you're going to be sleeping in your vehicle, you, uh, you can get by with blankets if you really want to hard enough. Um, and you really want to save money, you can get by with a bunch of blankets. Um, but sleeping bags, a couple of the options you're going to find for sleeping bags and probably one that you hear a lot is, uh, what kind of insulation it has. Like what is the filling? You're going to have a synthetic option and you're going to have a down, like a goose down option. Um, you know, in general, the goose down is going to be lighter than the synthetic, um, but it's probably also going to be more expensive. Um, and the down, if it gets wet, it's going to compress and take forever to dry. And when that is compressed, you don't have any insulating properties anymore. So that can really suck if you're on a super remote hunt somewhere, um, it can really actually turn into like a life threatening, like a very serious safety concern. Um, so the synthetic insulation typically actually, I think the apex that Kefaro uses in their slick bags, which are very good synthetic bags. Um, I think they, if they are completely soaked, they retain like 80% of their, uh, insulating properties or their warmth properties. So, you know, as a, like a rule of thumb in my brain, like if you want the more forgiving option, a little bit more bomb proof, especially if you're going to a super wet environment and doing like a fly in or a float in hunt or something where you're super remote, you just, you can't just walk out, you know, four or five, six miles, one mile, whatever, back to the vehicle to get dry or to start it and get warm. Um, you need, you're like way remote, just fall back on a synthetic bag. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that are using down in those situations, but you know, they're probably very experienced and know how to handle it, take the extra precautions to take care of it. Um, and might, you know, have a, a backup plan for if that, if that thing does get wet. Um, but in my mind, if you want to do a lot of hunting and you just want to buy one bag, I would encourage people to go with a synthetic bag. Um, you know, that's what I have did. I've got a, right now I have a, gosh, a 10 degree synthetic bag. And then I also have a zero degree down bag, which if I know I'm going to not be like in really wet environments, yeah, I'll take the down bag. Like, it's got the edge on warmth over synthetic, but, uh, but I know that if that were to get wet, I could just walk out to the vehicle or I know it's going to be dry conditions. So that's, that's a pretty serious thing to, you know, consider and just realize when you're purchasing the bag, um, that that could be a difference. Um, you know, temperature ratings, 
I personally would try to stay in that 15 degree range if you're going to have a bag that you want to do it all. Um, you start going over 20, like you can, as a comfort rating for most bags, you can take, you know, if it's a 20 degree rating, you can just tack 10 degrees onto it and you're, you'll probably be like, all right, I'm going to be comfortable, you know, about to the freezing area, about that 30 degree mark is where I'm going to be comfortable down to. Um, so I just like to stay in that 10, 15 degree range. Just that's definitely something that you don't want to uh, under, gosh, what would you even call it? Underrate. Sure. So there you go. And okay. And then another thing with a sleeping bag, you're going to see, you're going to see something called a quilt. People talk about quilts a lot. Um, and then there's just your standard sleeping bag. So in short, a quilt is was or is designed to cut weight and you know mostly by utilizing your sleeping pad and this is why you gotta make sure you have a really good sleeping pad if you're gonna go with a quilt system or both. Um, so overall the idea is that when you are in your sleeping bag, if that, uh, the reason it's warm is because it's lofty. It like, you know, you're, you're not uh, compressing your, those feathers or the insulation. Um, it's staying lofted and that is what is like trapping your body heat and that's what's giving you a lot of warmth. Well, if that insulation is compressed, you're really not, like utilizing the loft so you're there's not a lot of warmth value to that because it's compressed so their way of thinking is that if you are laying when you're laying in your sleeping bag and you uh are laying on the bottom of your bag is compressed so you're not getting anything out of the insulation that you're laying on so their thought is um i don't know who they is but just the idea is that why not just cut out all of the insulation from the bottom of the bag because we're losing it anyways by laying on it and um, that'll get rid of a lot of weight it'll get rid of some bulk and you'll just rely on your sleeping pads r value for warmth um i think there's like there's good quilts there's bad quilts there's a lot of different kinds of designs of quilts um I use one, I have used one, from Kafaro. It's the Kafaro quilt. It is a synthetic insulation. For early season, I don't mind it at all. But once you start getting like mid-September on a normal year on, like, hell no. Give me a sleeping bag. Um, so I think if you're just getting into it, I just wouldn't even... At first anyways, I wouldn't look at the quilts. I would just go right to the sleeping bags. They're just they're more comfortable. Like a lot of guys that will run quilts. They'll tell you, you know, the basic reason that they're going with a quilt is just to save some weight and maybe a little bulk, but they're not as comfortable as they are in a regular sleeping bag, which makes no sense to me. So I would just go with a sleeping bag, but that's what a quilt is. Um, a system to be probably a little cautious of is, uh, the big Agnes system. And they're basically doing the same thing as a quilt, except they aren't cutting the back out completely. They're just taking all the insulation out of it. 
So if you're going to go with a big Agnes option, just uh, keep that in mind that you might not have any insulation on the bottom of the bag. Um, okay, so like I said before, if you're going to be in really wet weather, uh, synthetic is going to be the way to go. Um, it seems like if you're going to be like, if you, if you just take care of it, like down is great. Um, but if you don't and you get into a sketchy situation, just the synthetic is just going to be a more robust option in my mind. So don't be afraid of the down options. Just know what you're getting into. Okay. Um, on into sleeping pads. So sleeping pads work off of an R value system, which is similar to like, you know, the insulation and such in your home. You will have an R value to that insulation. Um, and sleeping pads are rated off of uh, an R value. So it's, you know, essentially, I think it goes more than five, but for the most part, the ones that we look at, you know, they're rated from like one to five or like a two to five. So, you know, the one, two, three, that's going to be like your summertime pads. You start dipping like over into like three and a half, um, leaning more towards four. That's like you're including the fall system. Um, you get into the four fives. That's like your winter time all year round. And as you can imagine, um, as you go up in our value, typically your weight is going to go up. Your cost is also probably going to go up. Um, and the bulk might go up a little bit as well, depending on the pad that you get. Um, I would definitely recommend nothing under three if you're going to be hunting like in the fall at all. Um, and I would really try dipping up towards the four for like the most value for the warmth. Um, I used in Alaska this year and I used it all like I've used it the last couple of years and I really haven't had an issue with it. Um, it's the big Agnes Q-Core SLX. It's the green pad. It's insulated. It's pretty light. It has an R value of 3.2 and that was just pretty light for me on the hunts this year. Um, and so I ended up stepping it up to a big Agnes Q-Core deluxe which is blue and it is like a 4-2 I think or right at a 4 so gives you more warmth value so not all sleeping pads are created equal I would really urge you especially if you're a cold sleeper get into the 4s um, or really close to a 4 you know like a 3-8 4-2 right in there um, and if maybe you're just a warmer sleeper or a normal person um, I still wouldn't go under three. I would try not to go under three and a half even, but, um, there's a ton of pads out there on the market. Um, there's like the closed cell pads, which is basically like a foam pad on the ground. Um, good R value. They do not weigh very much. They're pretty bulky. Uh, they're not going to be very comfy. Um, or, you know, like, you get into the Thermarests and the Big Agnuses, and then there's another one that we got recently as a double pad from Climate. That seems like it's going to be nice. Um, those are just going to be more comfortable. And if you can sleep better in the backcountry, like, there's nothing better than that. So let's see. Okay, that went through bags, pads, and shelters and tents.
So um, as far as sleeping bags go, I'll bump back to it real quick. Um, I've used a lot of sleeping bags over the years. What I've kind of, you know, come into is, and I've just been in it long enough that I've been able to try things out and move things around and, and whatnot. So a lot of times, like I have, just like the tents, I have a freestanding for its purposes, and then I have a floorless and inserts for their purposes, which, uh, you know, I understand not everybody can do, especially right off the bat, have two of everything. Um, but as far as sleeping bags go, I have the synthetic bag, which is the Kafaru Slick Zero Degree Bag. And uh, that's, you know, that's a great bag. And then for my down bag, I have a Western Mountaineering Badger, which I think is a 15 degree. And that is a down bag. And it is so warm. I love it so much. And then for a sleeping pad, I have a couple of them. I have that Big Agnes Deluxe, which is, you know, it's a little heavy for a lot of people's um, tastes, but I don't mind it. It's super comfy. I've really gotten along with Big Agnes's sleeping pads. Um, so I really like that one. Uh, then I also have that Climate, which is a double. You know, it's just for two people. Oh, speaking of that, uh, with those Western Mountaineering bags, if you're hunting with uh, your spouse or whatever... Um, those Western mountaineering bags, if you get one with a right zip and your other person gets one with a left zip, they can actually zip together and then you, it, you can have it like you're sleeping in bed, which is fantastic. So for couples, that's a great option. Um, it's a little steep to get into those, but those are one bag or that is one bag that like buy once, cry once, um, you'll probably never sleep more soundly in a sleeping bag ever again. Um, those things have been great. But then let's see what else. Okay. Um, the X-Ped also makes good sleeping pads. And I have the Sinmat 7. I hear they don't even make that one anymore. But like an insulated air mat from X-Ped, that's a good option. That's really, um, gosh, it's like four, I think it's a four and a half inch. Gets you off the ground four and a half inches. And it's cushy and it's really nice. Um, and then a lot of people like the Thermarest X-Therm too. So those are just a few options you can look at. So anyways, um, I'll stop rambling. The next thing we'll probably go through is like, uh, gosh, cooking and like water treatment, cooking things, some food options. I would say I'm like very... Um, a lot of the food options that you'll hear guys talk about nowadays are like, you gotta, they're like direct to consumer. You gotta get online and order them. I'm very much more Walmart about the whole situation. So, um, I just like to do things, uh, I like to have things, use things that are very readily available and, um, not super expensive. So anyways, that's probably what we'll go through next time. So if you have any questions, look us up on the Rockslide forums, shoot me a, a message, or just uh, jordan at rockslide.com, and I'll answer them as best I can.